Welcome to Voices, a podcast brought to you by the Seneca Valley School District. I'm Jeff Krakoff here with Dr. Marie Polano, Director of Analytics and Federal Programs at Seneca Valley. Uh, great to have you here. As a little background on who you are, you've been an administrator with the district since 2011. Uh, before your before your current role, you were an assistant principal and a principal. And you know, as far as your title, Marie, I know you're involved in developing, implementing initiatives uh, connected to reaching the district's goals, complying with federal programming mandates through Title I, Two, Three, and Four. Can you give us a quick description of, of what your job is as an administrator in this area? Sure, absolutely. So in regard to federal programming, districts across the state receive funding both local, state, and federal. So in regard to the federal funding and programming in Titles One through Four, I do manage all of the funding and of course the programs that are associated with it. So the Title I funding we use in our elementary and middle schools to support at-risk students in both reading and math. Our Title II is typically allocated to reduce class sizes so that uh, teachers have the opportunity to work closely with students in smaller classes. Title III supports our English learners, so our English as a second language program. And Title IV is a newer program and it is targeted at the overall student experience, so a well-rounded student. So we really do take that Title IV funding and we use that again in our Title I buildings to support our at-risk students in both reading and math. We do that through additional resources, through staffing, specifically with our reading specialists and our math interventionists there. So the, the programming and all of the funds that we receive are certainly allocated and directly related to student learning. Okay. You mentioned having a goal of well-rounded students. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention a little bit more about your background, talking about being well-rounded. Uh, you earned your bachelor's degree in Spanish education at Mercyhurst and a number of advanced degrees and various certifications through Slippery Rock University, Gannon University, uh, California University of PA, and most recently earning your doctorate at University of Pittsburgh. So con congrats on all that hard work. So you mentioned, again, developing and implementing initiatives connected to all the federal programming and goals. How are administrators and teachers, how, how do you prioritize to ensure that your students are meeting all of these expectations? Yeah, so specifically now during these circumstances and, and unprecedented times, most people are certainly familiar with public schools, but it's important to mention that the cycle of teach, test, record, and move on is certainly something of the past. So at Seneca Valley, the administrators and teachers spend a great deal of time discussing what are the most critical skills, those crucial skills that students need to live and succeed both today and in the future. So we talk a lot about what does it mean to know something deeply. And our curriculum committees and our teacher leaders, many who have dedicated years and years to 
not only identifying specific learning targets in every subject or course, but also working to select quality resources that will supplement our instruction and support students in their learning. And what we do know and what will specifically be very critical this school year is the acknowledgement that not all standards are created equal. There are some that we spend the majority of our time teaching and we have spent a lot of time in collaborative discussions as grade levels, as buildings and departments talking about those essential learning standards those that will have longevity, that are important beyond a tested grade level and content area, and those that obviously connect to other content areas. And so we focused on identifying those essential standards, and we've done so in a way that not only provides continuity horizontally across all grade levels and buildings, but also vertically. So as students transition and move from one grade to another in our district, that we do have a continuity of education in regard to those essential standards. So we are very fortunate that we have laid the groundwork for that, specifically you know, returning to school after schools being closed in the spring and providing remote online instruction. So much of that work has been done and it's going to be very important that we capitalize on that work that has been done because not only will our instruction focus on grade level standards and goals, but simultaneously while exposing children and students to those grade level expectations and goals, there will be work that, that needs to be done in supporting students and addressing any opportunity or achievement gaps that might exist. So fortunately, we have done much of this work and we do have that continuum of learning for the students in our district. And really, we're going to need to spend a lot of time, again, likely virtually in collaborative sessions with teachers and in person talking about student learning, those essential standards, and how we know that students are making adequate progress. Okay, so I know assessment's a big part of of monitoring that success, reaching standards and goals. But I'm curious, especially in a virtual online type of environment like we're, we're, we're facing and have faced, how do assessments help you get to know and instructors get to know their students better? We have been very careful as a district, as administrators and as teachers, really learn together and understanding that assessment is one piece of the puzzle. So in the absence of hope and truly building children's confidence in themselves and that notion of self-efficacy, how willing am I to take risks? In the absence of hope and self-efficacy, we certainly will not see the full potential when it comes to achievement. So when we talk about student learning, assessment, student learning outcomes, we are never doing so in the absence of recognizing the whole child. When we get to know students as people, it provides us a better opportunity to get to know them as learners. So we look at assessment as one piece of the puzzle that will help us to inform our decisions so that we can best meet the needs of all students. And we need to be cognizant, of course, that during this COVID-19, there are things that impact students differently in a typical year. 
So we have to be very sensitive and aware of how our families and students have been impacted throughout this time. And we need to take that into consideration, not only as we develop assessments, but as we collaborate around the results of those assessments. So typically when we do that specifically, teachers have been talking again for a long time and we're very fortunate this, that this framework and foundation has already been established. But when we talk about assessments, we are consistently coming back to a few of these guiding questions. So questions like, what is the fundamental purpose of this assessment? And why is this assessment necessary? And is the assessment explicitly linked to learning goals so that students can see the connection between their work and what is being learned in the classroom environment? So providing opportunities, again, for students to reflect on their assessment experience is really important as well. And so we tend to ask students questions like, you know, what was the most difficult part of the assessment? Or what else do you know that you did not have the opportunity to demonstrate during that particular assessment? So that we can gauge what is the connection between the classroom experience and the instruction in that student learning. So assessment is very cyclical. And there are many different reasons for using assessment. Some assessment is graded and some assessment is used to inform instruction. So in our district, we use a variety of different assessments for a variety of different reasons. And again, each one of those being a piece of the puzzle to help us to get to know our students better as learners. We do have universal screeners such as NWEA and Ames Web that are grade specific and focused mostly in the areas of reading and math. And we use these assessments to identify students who are potentially at risk for not meeting an end of year learning target. And then we take that information and instead of saying, well, this particular student is struggling in math or this particular student is struggling in reading, we really dig deeper into that information and say, you know, what is it that we need to remediate first and then progress through different skills? So it is very specific based on skill deficit, but those decisions for interventions are never made in isolation based on one piece of information. We are looking at classroom experience, teacher input, the universal screener, but we will absolutely do our due diligence as we always had in the past to identify and provide interventions and support for students who potentially are at risk for not meeting an end of year learning target. Okay, so it truly is a 360-degree approach looking at the whole student. Um, let, let's say there is, a, there is a learning gap identified with a student. How do teachers and which resources will they use um, to help bridge that gap? So we truly believe, first of all, in effective instructional strategies. So there is no strategy, approach, or resource that will meet the needs of every student. So again, going back to getting to know our students as learners and having ample resources available and training and effective instructional strategies in those areas, and of course, specifically teacher collaboration. So there's so much sharing of ideas, sharing of strategies. You know, we are constantly gauging 
not only are students achieving, but are they making adequate growth? So if there is a learning gap, are we doing enough to close that gap? So we need to have a student growth percentile that is at a particular point in order to say, yes, this intervention is effective. So if and when an intervention for a student is not effective, we would then begin to look at what other strategies and resources do we have available to us? Do we need to change the intensity of the intervention, which could potentially be a time interval, maybe going from 30 minutes a day to 60 minutes a day? But what is it that we need to do so that we can ensure that students are making adequate growth? So along the way, again, nothing is done in isolation. There is much conversation and there is a lot of data around student learning. So we are looking for evidence of growth and we are looking for that consecutively over time. And should a student be at grade level in a particular skill, perhaps there is another skill in that progression of learning that needs to be addressed next. So consistent communication, we are constantly talking about what is it that all students must know and be able to do. And I think that links back to those essential standards, how important those are in prioritizing student learning in the classroom. We're constantly questioning how will we know when each student has learned each one of these essential standards. And how do we respond when students do not learn? And that's where the collaboration comes in. We have built a community of educators that have a shared ownership of all students. It goes beyond this is my classroom or this is my grade level or my building, but how do we work together specifically with early literacy skills to ensure that our students are progressing appropriately to meet those end of year learning targets? Absolutely fascinating how much is truly involved in the analytics and end of, of education. So if I'm a parent, um, what, what's my one or two takeaways from what we've talked about today that I, I really need to know and think about? So I, I think as a parent, I mean, I'm a parent myself. And so I think, you know, we're only as good as the, the information that we have. So if there is something important that your child's teacher or building administrator needs to know about the development of your child, please share that information to the degree that you are comfortable sharing. We have all overcome obstacles. We have all had barriers. And we truly are here to support student learning not only in a way that provides opportunities for students, but also for families. As a school, yes, we focus on student learning, but we are certainly a community asset. And we know when we are talking about the whole child that we need to meet students' needs before we have access to engaging them in their learning. So we are here to help specifically during these difficult times, we want to be a member of your team. We want to help every student as much as we possibly can every day. And I will say throughout all of this, we have learned a great deal. We have learned a great deal about you know ourselves and our profession and how we can stretch ourselves in our thinking and providing interventions. 
we had interventionists last spring that worked nonstop to provide and continue working with our at-risk students during that school closure in a virtual setting. And we will do so again if we need to, to provide that continuity of education. So I absolutely want parents to know that we are thinking not only of students and their learning, but also things that are impacting families right now and how can we be of assistance and work together as a team. All right, well, Dr. Puano, thank you so much for sharing your insights today. I wish you the best for the new school year and uh, it was great talking with you. And you as well, thank you very much. Take care. Take care.